We have been talking about winning faith projects, and when I say winning faith projects, I, I almost called it winning faith battles, uh, because a lot of times we're going through life and we have battles that we'll be faced with. And uh, but we, we have to understand the first part of you know one of the first things that we'll be talking about tonight and how to win it. Like here's some steps: is knowing your position in Christ, and your position in Christ is the battle's already won. So that's why I didn't call it winning faith battles. But we have projects, and it, do you have that uh, image where it's just the one line? Uh, if you have that and can put that up. Somebody yell at me when it gets up on screen. But basically what happens is we're running a race here on this earth. And as we run that race, God will start to give us vision and promise and mission. And then he'll, he'll give us the power and the strength to run our race, be it individually or corporately. Here you go. And so what happens is we're running our race. He'll pour out the vision. And then our job is this is what should happen. The flesh is going to rise up. The physical things, the devil's going to challenge you. It's not like we don't have an enemy. God's going to say, hey, trust me in this. And your flesh and you know, possibly the devil is going to come up and say, no, nah, let's stop that train. You know, let's, let's, let's trip them up. And let's not let them run that race. But our job as believers is to believe God. And if he told us, just like the Israelites going into the promised land, you know, their job, they were not doing good because God said, go take the promised land. And they went over and peeked over in there and went, those are big people. We're scared and walked the other way. And so they never finished their faith project there, Right. Well, we face that kind of stuff on large and small levels all the time. And what happens is a lot of times if we don't press through the flesh, put down the flesh, and if we don't uh, you know, uh, resist the devil, what ends up happening is we end up uh, falling into a trap, a cycle trap. And so we receive, uh, we're running the race, we receive the vision and the promise of God. And this can just be like what I read earlier. It can just be talking about healing or talking about, uh, you know, hey, he sent his word and healed them. And you're trying to hang on to the fact that I'm the healed of the Lord. You know, in First Peter 2.24, it says, uh, we were healed. We're not waiting on it. We already are, that kind of thing. That can be your faith project. But then all of a sudden, so it can just be a single promise from God. Uh, it can also be for like Boomerang. Uh, we were sent, part of our mission was to uh, take Albemarle in a new and godly direction. So that's a big, long mission, a big, long vision and promise. And our job is to hold on to that and make sure that we accomplish it. Not just me, not just me and uh, Nicole, but us. It's a, it's a body, it's a mission. Well, we've got to hold on to those things. But what generally happens is when we find a promise uh, and all of a sudden we hit this area and we kind of let go of those promises, let go of those words, and then the flesh rises up and it tries to pull on us and tempt us and everything else, and all the flesh and the devil wants you to do is exit the race. Man, that's, that's, what, they're trying, that's what they're trying to get you to do. Stop running the race. Just stop. Quit. Give up. That's what they want. Cause, and they don't even care if you eventually get it, really. It's just they want to slow you down, make you less efficient, less productive, because they know the flesh, the devil, 
the world, the corrupted world, they know that if God's given you a promise, you can do it. When it comes out of his mouth and says, Dixie, go do this, you are empowered to do that. And so all, really, it's not even about you as much as it is disrupting the plan of God. And you have to understand that. It's not even necessarily personal. But they'll try to make it personal. The devil just hates God. You know, he just wanted to be in power and God wouldn't let him. You know, he's just a temper tantrum throwing kid, you know, basically. And so, and you are his kids that God loves. And if, if he can't hurt God directly, he'll try to hurt them indirectly. And that's what's happening. He's trying to come in there with that plan. Well, when we acknowledge the flesh... And we go after and we exit the race for whatever period of time, we actually help the devil do just that. And we give in to our flesh. Well, we don't want to do that. But if you don't know that this is actually something that happens and occurs, you just fall right into the pits, the pitfalls of life, the pitfalls of the race, and you don't know how to avoid them. So that's why we've been talking about them. So what happens is if we do give in to the flesh, right here in this little area, we feel this little bit of relief where the flesh stops yelling and screaming at us, quits throwing a temper tantrum in our head, and we're like, ah. Oh. But then right behind that comes the conviction. Now, conviction and condemnation, two totally different things. Conviction by, the, by God, by the Holy Spirit. And basically it shows you because he loves you, hey, you missed this. You know, you, you missed it. You didn't do it right. But condemnation is the thing that comes and pours out the weight of how bad you are. Right, And so right behind this feeling okay because I don't have the pressure of the flesh anymore... What happens is the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and you're like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have missed that. I wish I wouldn't have exited my faith project. And then the devil comes with condemnation and he just pours it out. Oh, you're so awful. You're so bad. You know, has anybody ever felt that before? Yeah, besides me, like too many times. And then eventually you get to the place where, because God loves you. And, and finally, you know, and if you don't know this promise, you can, in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you don't know that, you may stay in condemnation for quite some time. Some people live in it and die in it. But if you start to know those promises of God, at some point you kind of come to yourself and go, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be living in this condemnation. And as soon as we turn our eyes back to the Lord, man, he can heal us, restore us. But what happens is he pulls us right back down in here, reinvigorates our vision and the promise, and we just keep doing this until we put the flesh down. And you got to understand what you have between yourself is you have, if you're born again, you have your spirit pushing towards the things of God, the flesh pushing away from the things of God. And this is the battle right here in this area. You've got that battle between your spirit and your flesh. And when you exit that plan of God, what you've done is you've just allowed the flesh to bowl over you. But what we're supposed to do is we are supposed to crucify the flesh, put the flesh down, not it put you down. We're not supposed to live by the flesh. We're supposed to live by the spirit. 
So when we start learning these things and operating in these things, all of a sudden we start, we don't even go into this cycle trap area. We just keep on in the plan of God in that, uh, what I showed you earlier, and we just keep moving down. And then we can accomplish bigger and better things for the kingdom of God because we've learned how to do it. Because here's the great thing about learning how not to enter this trap is once you've done it once, you start to see that this is the same thing in every area. Every faith project goes through the same steps and has the same stuff where you get the promise, you have the temptation to not hold on to the promise, hold on to the word, you have the flesh rise up. Every step, it's always the same. It's always the same. And so once you learn how to overcome it, well, you've now learned how to overcome them all. And all the only thing that changes is the name of the project and the amount of stuff that you might be believing for. Like let's say that it's fi finances. Maybe the first time that you really went through this, you were believing God for $50, right? Well, it goes on down the road. And it, what's the difference in faith that it takes to bring in 50 versus takes to bring in 50,000? What's the difference in faith? There is none. The faith is the same. I promise you that. The faith is the same. The difference is what you think you can do. And what experience you have in the past that was a success. So the more we have success in putting down the flesh, the more that we can move on in the things of God. And so you start to realize that it doesn't matter how big the stuff is I'm facing. What matters is how big is my God who promised me? And do I trust him? Because right here, whether we win or lose, whether we break out or not, is not a, a matter of the size of the, of the problem or the size of the promise. What matters right here is, do we trust God? That's the decision point right there. Do we trust him? Well, once we get that down pat and we learn to know what it looks like, we just keep applying the same things every time we hit that and, and we win. And we win, and we win again. And it gets easier and easier, and that's some of what we've looked at. I, uh, in just you know, simply reviewing, a lot of times what happens right here is we get to the place where we say these, these things, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't uphold this anymore. It's too much. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or I'm done. I'm done. And we get to that place, Right here. But what we're really facing is this. We're facing, Lord, do I trust you? Because when you break it down and boil it down to what's actually going on, the only reason you would say I'm done on something that God's told you to do is you don't trust him to see you through. Now, see, this is an area where ooh, we don't want to talk about that because, no, I trust God. Really? Really? That's interesting. I'll just leave that right there. I'm not going to mess with it. And uh, I'll let you and the Holy Spirit work that out. So the question is this. Has, has God asked too much? Or has our hunger for his ways been too short? That's something we talked about several weeks ago. Has God asked too much? Or has our hunger and our faith in him come up short? And that's really the reason why we exit and don't stay in the race. 
So our verse that we've been looking at the whole time is Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. And it says this, it says, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those, uh, the King James here says, but will follow those who faith through faith and patience inherit the promises. So what happens a whole lot, and we talked about this, I think, in the very first night, is we'll receive a promise from God or a charge from the Lord. And, and generally, when we receive that charge, oh, man, woo, we're like, I mean, we're walking out of here like, praise God, I'm going to take the world, you know, and we're all excited and, you know. And then, you know, by Monday morning, we're like, oh, my gracious, you know, because y'all, you've never been there, right? You know, we're like, yeah, yeah, that's the word for me, hallelujah, you know, and Lord, I'm going to do so good. And then all of a sudden, you know, Monday or Tuesday, generally, uh, (laughs) we're sitting there going, this is not going to work, you know. And what we're doing is we're focusing on the weight or the enormity of it the size we're focusing on and this is a big one do i think i can last oh the devil that's condemnation see the devil's trying to get you to focus on you instead of christ he's trying to get you to focus on your ability and your righteousness instead of christ's ability and his righteousness and so he starts doing that kind of stuff and all of a sudden we start questioning whether or not we can or not but see, this is real Christian stuff here because you know what the world sees? The world says, sees us making big claims with our mouth and exiting here all the time. And they're wondering where the real deal is. Right. They want to know where the power of God is. Right. And you got it. But you got to know how to do it. You got to know how to live it. They want to see somebody that lives it, not hypocrites. And to be honest... That's what they've been seeing over the whole of the American church. They've been seeing hypocritical people that talk a big talk, but, man, their walk stinks. And we, we've got to change that. Yeah. We have to change. We, we, don't, we don't have to go out there and completely change the world's way of thinking. We need to change our way of thinking, and that will change the world's way of thinking. So in looking at this, you know, one of the things that we do is we receive the promise but we forget to apply patience to it. We, and, and generally, like, we're all hyped up about the promise, you know, on Sunday morning or Wednesday night because we think it's going to be here by next week. It's going to be here next week. That is not the way it works all the time. I mean, sometimes it does, and it's real nice. But here's the question. Is a calendar going to tell you when to stop trusting God? But how many times has it? Because what happens is this little area right here, this little change between the two colors, that's our date that we think it ought to be here by. <laughs> and, and, and that's not the date that God thinks it ought to be here by. And as soon as we pass that mark, what do we do? We allow hope to go poof and, and explode from us and away from us. And our faith goes with it and our patience goes down the drain. And then we find ourselves exiting this. And all we're going to have to do, but you've got to watch, this, this process here stinks. And all we're going to do is come right back around and have to do it again. So at some point, I got that part, and I was like, I am not doing this again. 
I am not doing this again. And when you get to that place, you'll kind of get some, you know, some oomph to back up what you believe. And we need to get to that place. But not just because we're tired of doing this. We need to get to that place because God said it. Because he said it. But a lot of times what happens is there's a calendar date. And if it's not done by that time, oh man, God must not have done it. And so we think it's over. We've got to have a faith that goes beyond even our expectations, our calendar date. Faith and patience, we inherit the promise. Let me, let me just look at that verse. Will you put that verse back up there one more time? It says, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who, through faith and patience, sometimes inherit the promises. That's not what that says. It is not a sometimes deal with God. God says, you give me your faith, you give me patience, you inherit the promises, period. End of discussion. It's not a sometimes thing. This isn't all the time. So all of a sudden, I remember one day I got that. And I went, I just apply faith, and I apply patience, and I don't let go of either one, and I win. And guess what happened the next time I faced something? Oh, man, did the flesh rise up on me that time. But I had gotten this. And I did not let go. I did not let go. And all of a sudden, I broke through and received the promise and kept on going instead of making that cycle. Oh, you talk about a happy time at the right house. Ooh, it was, praise you, God. I mean, because it was some big stuff. Finally, because this, this, it was a financial thing, and it had been eating our lunch for a long time. And we broke through. We broke through it. Why? Because we trusted God. And then what I started seeing was this same thing applies in every area. When I was believing for healing, same thing. Finances, same thing. No matter what I was believing for, it all worked the same way. The difference was I would come up to a point and I would drop faith. But I realized if I would hold on to faith and patience, I'm punching through every time. Everything changed from that moment forward. Everything changed. But you've got to get it inside of you in absolution on the promises of God. And if you don't have that, what's going to happen is as soon as the flesh rises up or you pass that time period, that calendar turning, you pass that point that's in your head, all of a sudden you're going to drop that stuff. You've got to get it in your heart. I'm willing to take this thing as far out as it needs to go. That's what believers in America, I believe, have been missing a lot of is they're just not willing to go to go the distance. They have in their mind what the distance is, and once they get there, they're done. Must not have worked. I tried. That's exactly right. You tried. That's why it didn't work. We could quote Yoda right here, but I'm not going to. In how to win faith projects, we, we went down this list, but let me read this to you again. Faith success is pressing by the power of God's promises through the pressure of the flesh to stop. Faith success is pressing by the power of God's promises through the flesh pressure to stop. Flesh is trying to stop you, trying to get you to exit, take the quickest and easiest exit it's holding on to the promises of God through that pressure to stop and here's how we do it 
Each success makes it easier to repeat. This is one, two, three, four, five. Know your position in Christ. Number two, believe the promises. Number three, don't grow weary. Number four, be patient and persevere. And then number five, repeat. And there's some details in each one of those. Number one is know your position. In Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, just very quick, we've already talked about this, is, is you are raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. But Brian, I'm sitting in Boomerang Church right now tonight. How can I be seated in heavenly places in here too? Because you are not just a flesh being. You are a spirit being, and your position of authority and the power of God is seated in the position of authority with Christ himself, where everything is under his feet, and that means if you are a part of his body, everything is under your feet too. And without knowing that, knowing that you have an inheritance that is a surpassing greatness of his love toward us, of his power toward us, Go read Ephesians 1 and 2 and read it over and over and over again till stuff starts popping out at you, till it starts becoming yours. It's huge. So you've got to know your position. If you don't know your position, what happens right here is the devil and your flesh starts coming up against you and you just take the blows. Oh, that hurt. Oh, you know, oh, you, know you just take them. Oh, I deserve that, you know. And all of a sudden... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's truly what we do. Oh, I deserve that. I, I sinned last night. Oh, I deserve that. And all of a sudden, you don't know your position in Christ, and the devil just beats the mess out of you. You've got to know your position. Because at some point, when you start to know your position, the devil comes around to start picking on you. It's like he walks in your house, and you're like, ah, oh, you better get out of this house, you know. Why? Because you know your position. You don't even have any right to be here. Don't even try that mess. You don't, do you know who Christ is and I'm in him? You don't have any right to be here, devil. Flesh, you've got no right to speak to me. The flesh has been crucified in Jesus' name. All of a sudden, things change. Your, your whole perspective changes when you know your position. So, uh, Number two is believe the promises. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12, and then uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 20, where it says, uh, right here it says, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So know the promises of God. You've got to get in that word and see his promises. See that he is your healer. He's your deliverer. He's your provider. He's your restorer. He's your protector. He is your savior in everything that you need saving from. And it's all laid out right in here. But if you don't know the promises, it's going to be really hard for you to back up you know, what you think you believe. I mean, even Jesus, when the devil came up against him, what did he pull out of his pocket? Scripture, promises. So we got to know who we are. We got to know this stuff, not just the stuff we think God said. We need to know what God said because that's the power. That's the power source behind us. And in order to do this, then in 2 Corinthians one twenty is where it says that every promise in him is yes and amen. So if he gave us a promise, this is God's desire for that promise. Yes, so be it in your life. Isn't that great? If he's laid out a promise for people in there, this is his will in your life for you to have it. Yes, so be it. Amen means so be it. Yes, so be it. We also, in believing the promise, we must maintain hope. You know, it says that faith is the substance of things 
hoped for. So in order for us to inherit the promises, we have to have faith and patience, right? Well, how, how can we have faith if we don't have any hope? How can we have faith? We can't. Faith has nothing to support if there's nothing, if there's nothing hoped for. Hope means that it's a joyous, confident expectation in the things of God. In other words, very quick definition is, if I see a promise from God, like I am the Lord that healeth thee, then if I ought to put my hope in that, I ought to have a joy just because I read that promise. I ought to have a confidence. In other words, somebody couldn't talk me out of it because I'm so confident in it. And it ought to produce inside of me an expectation. I'm, I'm healed. I'm well. So we don't drop hope because that's something the devil is really after and he wants to grate away at your hope. Constantly he wants to grate away like a cheese grater, great zone cheese. He wants to grate away at your hope. Why? Because if he can steal hope from you, he's just also stolen faith. It's very important. Number three is don't grow weary. Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. Says this, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So when we're on this process running the race and we're right up to this point, and I mean the flesh is screaming the loudest, the devil's beating against us the hardest, don't, don't grow weary. In doing good, God has made a promise to you that you will reap. You will reap in due time. We, we can't grow weary. And see, here's just the thing. If we exit right here and we take the easy way on our flesh, what are we essentially doing? We're saying, I don't believe that promise. I don't believe that I really will reap that. You see? So that's why I was saying earlier, it really is an aspect of do we trust God? Do we really trust them? You know, I, I have found uh, personally that, you know, I thought I trusted him. And, man, if I trusted him, I only had a sliver of it. I mean, it was just so tiny. I found so many times that when I thought I was putting out the biggest faith, it was nothing. It was so sad. I mean, and so we've got to be humble enough to back up and say, am I really trusting him? And the proof of that is, do we have the fruit? of running the race? Are we winning souls? Are we leading people to Christ? Are we making disciples? Are we seeing them filled with the Spirit? Are we laying hands on people and seeing them healed? Are we walking in the power and the love of God? That's the fruit of it. Are, are we watching problems be dissolved you know, in our lives and the lives of people around us and helping them to get to that place? That's the real fruit. So we've got to back up and say, you know, Maybe I'm not doing as good as I thought I was. And this is humility. Because if you don't even, if you're not willing to back up and check that, that you're never going to be able to grow past it if you're not willing to check it. So in Don't Grow Weary, there's some things that uh, uh, really affect our weariness. One is that we have to set uh, sin and temptation aside. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 1. 
Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, and so what we just finished was Hebrews chapter 11, and these go together, and they just listed all these great hall of faith heroes, basically. And one of the things that these faith heroes saw in chapter 11 is when they stood on the promises of God, what happened? They saw them happen. They saw them take place. They saw the power of God manifest. And so what he's saying right here, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, part of what he's saying is look to their successes and believe that God doesn't love you less. Believe that God loves you the same and that he will pour out the same kind of blessings on you if you will apply faith. In other words, be strengthened by their testimonies. Be strengthened by it. Let us also, he's telling us now how to win our faith projects in these next few verses. Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, here's the race that's set before us and we need to run that thing in a strength and a power and an endurance. But you can't do it. You can't do it with sin and entanglements of the world all over you. And see, what we don't realize is we've got more of that entangled in our lives than what we think we do. There's more of that tangling us up than what we think. And it's proof by when we get run down and we're like, you know, just like, ha, ah, I don't know what's going on and everything. A lot of times what we're experiencing is we're experiencing those entanglements of the world. Ah, stuff just isn't working. What we're experiencing is the sin and entanglements, the temptations that we have allowed in our lives up to that point. See, a lot of times when we get to that place, you know, people get people come to me and they're like, I just don't know what to do and I'm everything. And, and honestly, at some point when they come to me like that, I'm like, praise God. Now, maybe this will help open their eyes of humility to see that there's something they need to change. And that's what we need to do. But the word says this. It says, judge yourself so that you're not judged. So if we will actually take an honest look at ourselves before that, and we will lay aside the sin, lay aside the temptation, lay aside the things of the world that entangles us, we'll, we'll break out of that without having to go through um, the judgment of it. We, we'll be able to run without being judged by it. That would be much better, right? I remember my dad used to say uh, in business a lot, he would say, be a good Japanese because uh, in the 80s and the 90s, what the Japanese would do is they'd get something that we just made, and uh, I'm sorry if you're from Japan and watching this, and, uh, and <laughs> they would get a product, and then they would reverse engineer it, and then they would rebuild it, and then put it out as their own. You know, that was, we knew this was going on. And so what he was saying basically was not to, you know, steal corporate thoughts, but what he was saying was don't reinvent the wheel. So in other words, if I could run a race without being pulled down all the time and instead of waiting till I was pulled down to make changes, if I could make changes in the middle of the race and not slow down, that would be much better. 
That's what he's talking about here. Judge yourself so that you're not judged. And he says, look, make sure that you check yourself. And by humility, you say, look, what's holding me down? What's slowing me down? What's weighting me down in this race? Let me cast it aside. Let me get rid of it. In um, Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower, uh, let's just turn there real quick because I think it applies. Let me ask you this question. If, uh, if I polled the world, basically, let's say America, if I took a poll of America and I said, what are your goals? What are you trying to reach and attain? What do you think would be some of the top items on that list? Money. Money. Vacation home, huh? F family, yeah. Status, Status. huh? Love. love, yeah. They would be trying to find love, but not godly love, yeah. Freedom, Freedom. yeah. So, huh? Happiness. Happiness. So. You think that's pretty, so what have we, we've talked about? I would add in there like, you know, nice cars and, you know, nice house. That would be on there. That's probably a good job, you know, stuff like that. All right, is that, we all pretty much agree on that? All right, so most of the polls today in the world are the exact same in the church. Like there's no difference really in what, and, the, and it's because the church really has kind of gotten watered down, not kind of, and uh, it's, but, Here's the thing. What are each one of those things tied to? Let me ask you this question. The, all those things that we just listed, which ones of those further the kingdom of God? Not a one. None that we mention. And what's our job here on earth as believers? To be an ambassador. So when he was talking about the parable of the sower here in uh, Mark chapter 4, he said, oh, let's see here, in verse 7, Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And it said, Other seeds fell in good soil, and they grew up and increased and yielded a crop, produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And it, then it comes down here and it explains it. And uh, in verse uh, do. do, do 18 says and others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns these are the ones who have heard the word in other words like these are the people that go to church <laughs> these are the ones that go to church they've heard the word or at least they've heard it somewhere but the worries of the world how am I going to pay this bill how am I going to you know have the house the family the freedom you know, how am I going to find true love, that one person that makes me my eyes sparkle? And the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And it becomes unfruitful. 
So this is the same thing. These are all things that entangle us and hold us back from running the race. Because you just, you know, out of your own mouth within just a few minutes, you gave me all the top things that people would be looking for. And the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, we're all, all of us sitting here, listen to this, on some level, still going after those things more than we are the kingdom. When our number one thing is seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all those things will be added. So here's what happens. We go after the things. We never get all of them. And when we do get them, they're based on a temporal foundation. They slip right through our hands. Number two, we go after those things. They entangle us, choke the word, and constantly make us exit our faith projects. And we do nothing uh, of any substance for the kingdom. And then the world looks at the church and goes, what are you doing? Because they know we're messing up. But see, at some point, at some point, and I'm hoping that this point for you is now, is tonight. At some point, we've got to say, whoa, I'm not living like that anymore. I'm not going to live like that. I can't. If I truly am a believer and I'm called to be an ambassador, I can't live like that. At some point, somewhere in the body of Christ, somebody has to stand up and say, I don't care if everybody around me keeps living worldly, I've got to live faithfully for God. God's looking for those people. The question is, will it be you? And to that person... He says, he says, oh man, I can pour out some great stuff. Um, what's the eyes of the Lord run to and fro? I think it's First Chronicles 16, 9. Second Chronicles 16, 9. I was going there a second. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So the question is, is my heart completely his? That's a challenging question. <laughs> we were talking about that the other day. Is our heart really completely his? And if it's not, can he show himself strong like he really wants to? He want, You see, he wants to help your neighbor through you, but he can't use you because you haven't given him all of your heart. He wants you to not get trapped up in this and waste time and be unproductive, but we've got to lay aside because when we get entangled in the things of the world and all the stuff, the, the problem is it, it weighs us down. And so we take on extra weight that is not designed for us to carry. And then all of a sudden we get to saying these things. I can't do this. I'm done. It's too much. And we take the next easiest exit. <laughs>
So we've got to make sure that we lay aside those things. But when we carry those things, it gets us weary, over-weary. It, it, it weighs us down, and, and we're just we're carrying more than we should. Whereas if we would just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in Matthew 6.33, we'd just do that. All that stuff would be added. We would find the joy. Let me, let me end it by saying this. Every time that, I, that the Lord has, you know, we've gone through this how-to twice and I've gotten to don't grow weary twice and that's the end of it. So uh, anyway, maybe one day we'll get through. Don't throw this away. Um, <laughs> it's every time the Lord has asked me for something in my life, in other words, I had something that was entangling me, but maybe I liked it. I enjoyed it, right? Every time it was a part of my flesh that I, I like doing that, you know? Y'all have heard me talk about one of the ones that he's been, you know, working on me recently is with, like, movies. Like, don't watch so many. That's just where I'm at. You could be at a different place. At one point, it was secular music for me because, man, that... I'd had no idea how big of an effect, for me, it's not necessarily for everybody, but for me, I had no idea how big of an effect secular music was having on me. I didn't realize. And it was more than just what they were saying and doing. It was ties to my past that it kept bringing up. And it was sucking me into stuff I didn't need to be doing. And so he asked me to give up secular music. So one of the things that I've found is every time he asks me for something, every time he asks me for something, my flesh doesn't want to let go. <laughs> and I really don't want to stop it. I really don't. But every time when I come out of that, I feel stronger, lighter, more empowered. And almost every time... Uh, and I trust that every time he has done this or is in the process of doing this, he brings something back to me to replace it that's so much better. Amen. It doesn't carry the negative effects of a corrupted world with it. it. It takes me to a place where I'm strengthened and empowered. But see, that's who God is. And we've got to get to that place where the thing that he's asking for is that we are right now entangled in, that's slowing us down, hurting us and pulling us and not allowing us to accomplish his goals and his mission. We've got to understand that that thing that we are enjoying so much, it's killing us. Because ultimately, it's becoming sin to us because we know we should be giving it up and the wages of sin is death. So in some way, it's producing lack, death, and destruction in our life. And we've got to say, I don't want that. I want the life of Christ. And you know what? It's not just for me. It's not just for my family. There's people around me that need for me to make that decision to set down the things that have been entangling me to lay aside the sin and the temptation. At some point, this, this is what happened for me. And this is, if, I had a, if I had a cry for everybody that I preached to to get a hold of this, this would be it. There was at some point that I realized in my life the plan of God is not happening in this world. What he wants to happen has fallen, been fallen way short. 
Now, what he said was going to happen is going to happen, and his plan will be fulfilled, but that doesn't mean that in the middle of it, it's being done right. But at some point, I realized, man, this is not going right. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, really challenged me and said, so what if nobody around you ever does anything right? Will you? And I'm telling you, it woke me up. And this was, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. And from that day, from that, from that time where I really grabbed a hold of that, everything changed. Because I started living my life all in for him. I started living my life like I was living for him and not for me. And the decisions I, were ma I was making was not based on me anymore. It was based on him. And what I found was God poured out his love in such a great way. You know, it was kind of like this. We were walking uh, uh, down life and, and it was like this. Here's what was happening before we hit that point. Because... Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom is righteous and all these things will be added. It's true. And here's what was happening before. We're going after the stuff for us, entangled by the world, and it's like beat up, got beat up, got beat up again, got beat up again, had a blessing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Got beat up, got beat up again, got beat up some more, <sighs> beat up again. Here's another pounding. Devil's like, here's another whipping. Then, then right before I just completely cracked, Jesus is like, you know, I got mercy on him. Blessing, you know, and it was all my fault. And then this happened, where I said, Lord, people aren't doing, they're not being who you're calling them to be. And the Lord said, will you? Brian, will you? And I would pass that same question on to you. Will you? Because the eyes of the Lord have never stopped looking in all the earth, trying to look for somebody whose heart is completely God's. It's, they're still looking. They're looking. He's looking right now. His eyes are looking. And he's saying, will your heart be completely mine? Because if it is, ooh, I can do some big things in you. I can do exploits through you. And I started desiring to be one of those people. And this is how life went after that. Oh, thank you, Lord. What a blessing. And then it was like, I, oh, I, here's a punch, but God blocked it. I saw it. I might have felt the impact of it, but it didn't sting as much. I'd walk, and then the blessings, and, and blessings, and blessings, and attack. But God was there to help me. And, and it didn't mean I did everything perfect. There were still some that got through by my own doing, you know. But, man, the attacks were less and less. And this was the biggest thing that I noticed was the blessings that I'd been looking for so hard, they started to pile up and wait on me. They started, the blessings of God started to pile up in my path. And they were waiting on me when we got there. And it was because his word is true and his promises are true. It's who he is. Man, he loves us. He's, he's already formulated a plan. Now, I'll give you a good example, one of those stories that just happened this week. And it really blessed me. Um, I had an um, appointment and it got cut short, so I had about an hour of time earlier this week. And I said, 
what am I going to do? Because I need, actually Tara had Luke, and I need to go pick up Luke and in about an hour, and I just really want to go home and sit down, and but I didn't want to go home, then have to come back out and everything. So I was like, what am I going to do? And so, oh my goodness, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, I had a eureka moment. That was great. Yay. Yay, Brian. And uh, Lord, what do you want me to do? And And he said, drive down this way. And so I started driving down, and I was driving down First Street. And um, I said, you know, I'd really like to get Nicole some flowers. That's what, I was thinking that. I was like, there's Harris Teeter right up there. But I was not driving for me, and I was not driving for her. I was driving for the Lord. I was being obedient. And, but I had that thought on the way there. And, and I went down there, and uh, he said, go down here. He said, turn into Harris Teeter. And my thought was, because generally when the Lord has somewhere for me to go, I'm going to run into somebody that needs ministry. You know, so I've got my eyes open. Or there's somebody like in an area that I know that they're there, and he tells me, go see them. You know, so I'm, I'm expecting something like this. And so he goes, pull into Harris Teeter uh, parking lot. I said, okay. I'm looking at all the businesses. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. Where do you want? He said, go park and go in Harris Teeter. I said, okay. And um, so I went in there. And the Holy Spirit's just leading me, just leading me. And uh, I needed to use the bathroom, so he sent me to the bathroom. I really appreciated that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And uh, then I came out. And it was specific. He said, turn left and go down this back aisle and turn left. And then I was walking down the aisle. And, um, and about that time, uh, he says, go up that aisle. And I went like vinegar and olive oil. And there's nothing on this aisle that I need to buy. <laughs> you know, because I'm thinking, is he going to have me get something that Nicole needed that I didn't know about or something like that? And this aisle was a weird aisle for that. And I was just, this is strange. So I get, I come to the end of that aisle. Still nothing. This is kind of a long process. I'm thinking, Lord, what are you doing, you know? And then he turns me left. And the other thought that I'm thinking, because y'all aren't the only one that ever thinks this, is am I actually hearing from God or is this just me, you know? And uh, I turn left and right there, he says turn left. And right there is the flowers. And which I didn't really know where it was in the store, and but right there was the flowers, and he and then right then the Holy Spirit said, "That's what I brought you here for," and I said, "Okay, awesome," and I'm thinking I could have done that myself, you know, but I was just wondering, you know, why am I, you know, I could have just this is where I would have ended up without all this, but watch. So I'm looking, I'm looking for, and then Nicole likes purple, and. Right. Then I see it, and it's like the Holy Spirit kind of shows it to me. And he says, look, there's, and there's these purple flowers on top, and I grabbed those, and I took them up to the register. Now, I'm still expecting to run into somebody that needs some ministry. This, you know, I didn't know it was just the flowers. But I get up there, and the lady goes, beep, 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 tap, 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 beep, beep. And she's there for like two minutes, and then she just goes, Take these. They won't ring up. They won't do anything. Just take them and basically she's saying, be blessed, you know. And I went, oh, Holy Spirit. Because it's not that I didn't have the money for it. I had the money for the flowers. He just wanted to bless me. He just wanted to bless her. He was just showing me that he cares. That was it. 
He led me to the one thing that wouldn't ring up in their computer and they were going to have to get rid of it anyway. So she just goes, take them. They're yours. That's his love for us. That's his grace. And that's a, a perfect example of how when we make him our priority, the blessings of God just start to line up. And I'm telling you, on the trip that we had last week, just favor of God was poured out in so many different ways, was it not? It was just everywhere. So much favor. That, that's what happens. I'm not, not telling you for any other reason than that his promises are true. They work. When we give him all of us, and stop being entangled by the world's things, we're able to be efficient and do great and mighty exploits for God. The question is, will you be that person? Even if, let's say I quit being that way, would you still do it? Would, would you be affected by that? Probably so. But would your drive to love on God go beyond that? This is what we need to ask. Lord, we just thank you. Father, thank you for giving us an ability to partner with you. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to be a part of your plan and what you're doing. What a great and mighty God you are. You didn't have to involve us at all. And yet you did. Lord, let us be the kind of people that puts down, that breaks the shell of our, of our flesh and allows the word to produce a great and mighty fruit in us that will never end. That will never end. Lord, show yourself strong in us because our heart is given over to you. Show yourself strong in us because we're not entangled by the things of the world. Lord, show yourself strong. Let your promise be true. Lord, we hold on to that promise that you will show yourself strong in us. Lord, let us be strong in you. Let us live for you and seek you first in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night. Good to see you.